Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. We all know that we've gone through the month of Elul. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. I'm going to say something, and I don't want it to throw you. (laughs) But the blowing of the trumpet. All right, let me ask you something. Let me see how good of a teacher I am. Why did God say, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm? Why did God say that? Say it out. Tell me. Wake up. Wake up. We call it birth pangs. Um, And we've been talking about the birth pangs that have been taking place in the world right now. And it's a wake-up call. The birth, you have, you have birth pangs, ladies, right? Saying what's going to happen when you have these birth pangs. What's, what's, what's going to happen? Something's going to be born. You're going to have, you're going to, something's going to happen that will change your life forever. As a matter of fact, once you have a child, your life is never your own again. And so we've been saying what's been going on with COVID and the economy and, and uh, is this the mark of the beast and, you know, you can't buy or sell and all these other things and the craziness going on. I think I said last week or maybe we were just talking about it. I just went up to Canada. I couldn't get in Canada without showing a card. I couldn't get out of Canada without showing a card. Uh, if I got COVID when I was in Canada, they immediately put you in a uh, uh, place to for two weeks that you're not allowed to leave. Guys, this is all end time shadow of things to come. Do you, do you understand? But And I was telling the guys in the back, and I said, I probably won't ever say this publicly, but I'm going to tell you publicly. When we talk about the birth pangs that lead up to Rosh Hashanah's a shadow of the rapture. Seven days, seven years later, Yom Kippur is a shadow of the second coming. If you read the scriptures concerning the birth pangs, the birth pangs are not a sign of the rapture taking place. The birth pangs are a sign of the second coming taking place. So when we begin to see the birth pangs, we need to understand we are closer to the rapture than we can even imagine. Let me say it again. The birth pangs are a sign, if you read the scriptures, of the second coming. But what happens before the second coming? You and I are lifted up. But that's why God says they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. But blessed are you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. We need to understand. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we need to understand our world has changed in ways in the last few months than we've ever dreamed it would happen. And this is a sign, a blowing of the shofar saying, wake up. The second coming is closer than we think. And if the second coming is closer than we think, the rapture is even closer, seven years closer to the second coming. But I read the end of the book, we win. We're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. Are you with me? 
So we can talk about COVID. We can talk about the borders. We, we, you know, and, and let me just throw this in, too. I had to have a card. I had to have a, a test going in. I had another that's going out. Why is it that we make it hard for American citizens to get into our country, but tens of thousands are walking across our... Can I give you my idea? And I don't mean to get in all that. Can I give you my idea? They want to be able to shut us down. They wanted to be able to shut us down. But understand this. And next year, or next week, I'm going to talk about not giving in to the spirit of fear. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Okay? But we need to understand that things are changing. We could talk about the mark of the beast. We could talk about um, if you don't have your vaccination card, you're being thrown out of the military without honorable discharge. You won't be able to work a job. You won't be able to buy or sell. These are all things that we never dreamed would happen. As in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, who would ever thought that we who teach on morals and being married to one man, to one woman, we'd be labeled the bad guys. But these are all things that are saying, wake up, pay attention. Now, one of the things that I want to bring out to you today as you open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 12, is something that we need to look at every day of the year, but especially where we are in the calendar. Have you got Genesis 12? You know what it says, so watch what I'm saying. Here we have the blowing of the trumpet, sound the alarm for 30 days, wake up. Then we have Rosh Hashanah, a shadow of the the rapture. Then we have Yom Kippur, a shadow of the second coming. And then we have Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a shadow of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Sukkot lasts for seven days. At the end of Sukkot that we celebrated last week, at the end of Sukkot is what's called in Hebrew Simchat Torah. It literally means the, the joy, the happiness of the Torah. Now, in simplicity, what this means is, is that if you, I, I should have brought out one of our Torahs, is that if you have a Torah scroll on Simchat Torah, you've, you've stopped reading. You've gone through the whole Torah, and you rewind, re-roll the Torah, and you start again at the beginning. So right now, we are in the week of restarting the Word of God. Now, Simchat Torah is the eighth day, and the number eight in Hebrew means a new beginning. So right now, every one of us, the rapture hasn't taken place, the second coming hasn't taken place, so right now, God is saying, begin your journey all over again, because I am about to give you a new beginning. Amen? All right. Now, understanding that, say this out loud. I'm given a new beginning. Now, I want you to think about this. It's been a tough month. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough two years. Right now, on God's calendar, he is saying, I'm giving you, I'm giving everybody a new beginning, a fresh start. Let's get going. So in looking at that, you start over 
in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 12, is a promise of God that every one of us needs to understand how important this is. All right, before we read Genesis 12, I want to show you a video that was just sent to us from some of our friends in Israel. Now, what you're about to see is the celebration of Simchat Torah. Uh, it is the happiest time of the year. We've made it through. We've, we've, God is getting ready to bless us. He's given us a new beginning. One time, uh, um, Pastor Scott and I, I think we were just over there filming. We were been praying down at the Western Wall uh, in this old synagogue down there, and we were coming back up the stairs. How many have been to Israel? Remember those real steep stairs? You come up from the Western Wall, come up, and there's a big synagogue there, and we were walking up, and all of a sudden, this, these Orthodox guys grab me, and they're bringing me in the synagogue, and we're dancing, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm doing this, you know. And what was going on was they were celebrating Simchat Torah. They were celebrating the, the new beginning that God is giving everyone at this time. What you're about to see is the celebration of Simchat Torah, but it's being celebrated at one of the Holocaust homes that you and I pay for the feeding of, I think it's 3,000 Jews, 3,000 Holocaust survivors in the city. So anyway, watch this, and this is the celebration of Simchat Torah. Oh. <laughs> We are here in Yad Ezer Lechaveli in Haifa, celebrating Simchat Torah. Together with me is the Honorable Rabbi Shimon and all the Holocaust survivors that you met long, when, long ago when you were here. We all celebrate Simchat Torah, Hakafot, the end of Sukkot, and we also celebrate the very important title that you received as one of the most influential leaders in the world that supports Israel. For us, you were a leader for many years, and we continue counting on your leadership for many years to come. Mazal tov, dear Larry. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry, my yourselves a hand. You feed these people all over the city of Haifa and other places. All right, open your Bibles up to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And the reason I really felt the Lord lead me to teach this today is that when we read the scripture in Genesis chapter 12, this is the very first time in all of the Bible 
that God says, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do the other, I will curse you. Now, I want you to look at me. This is almighty God. He's not uh, a human. He's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. He's not exaggerating. God says, if you do this, I, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Mekadesh, Jehovah Shalom, I, the God of the universe, I will bless you. But if you do the opposite, I, Almighty God, I will curse you. Now, I want you to understand that this is being said to individuals. It's being said to ministries. It's being said to churches. It's being said to cities. It's being said to countries. So right here, we have the choice between blessings or curses. Now, I'm going to give you a quiz. How many would rather be blessed than cursed? Amen. And what you need to understand is that this being the Simcha Torah, the beginning of the new year, the beginning of God's word, this is the Evos or Evot of all of God's promises. Now, all of you know this, but we have so many new people joining us all the time. Whenever you have a list of things in the Bible, none of them work to the fullest unless you have the first one. That's what the word evot or evos means, the father one. Uh, it's evot if you're Ashkenazi. It's evos if you're uh, Sephardic. It means this, is, this, is, this one right here will birth everything else that follows. So this blessing here gives birth to all of the rest of the blessings. That's why I believe a thousand percent the church has not yet seen everything that Jesus has paid for by his blood. Because for so long, the church has not been a blessing to Israel. The church has been a curse to Israel. And so therefore, not only are we not receiving all the blessings, but we're receiving the curse that comes upon us when we don't bless the nation of Israel. So right now, at the beginning of the new year, if you and I make a decision that as a ministry, as a, as a church, as an individual, as a worldwide ministry, that we will continue to bless Israel, I believe the church's eyes are being opened, and this will launch in my life and in your life the latter rain. And how many realize the latter rain is going to be greater than the former? I believe with all the craziness that's going around, there is an awakening as never before in the church world of standing with the nation of Israel, and this will bring God's hand to cover us and bless us no matter what's going on. Bless us who stand with the nation of Israel. Amen? All right, read with me. The book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your kindred and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, 
and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. That's the name of Israel. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you, Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is right here. For most of my life as a Christian, I was part of cursing Israel. I had been taught we've replaced Israel. God's done with the Jews. We're the new Israel. In the church world today, even today, most of the church believes in what's called replacement theology, that we've replaced Israel. And yet the Bible says, and listen to this, Paul says right before the coming of the Messiah, the wall between Jews and Gentiles will come down. We will become Jews and Gentiles, one new man, the power of God, when we become one new man together, standing with God together, the power of God will fall, and this will launch the coming of the Messiah. And so if you think about all the birth pangs that we see, COVID, uh, the vaccine, you can't buy or sell, and all the other things, one world government, the possibility of globalization of all the world coming under one world government, one world economy, one world religious system. When you look at all this, one of the greatest signs that the Messiah is getting ready to come and the outpouring of God's people is the very first blessing. Unless we get this blessing, none of the other blessings work. And God says, I will bless those who bless Israel. How many believe that's true? How many believe the next part's true? I will curse those who curse Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather God be happy with me than mad at me. How many have ever heard, when your father gets home? Right? When you're, don't tell dad, when your father gets home. Well, I, we don't, nobody has to tell our dad. He knows everything. Now, look at me. I know this is too simplistic, but I'm going to explain it. If we are involved individually or as a church or as a denomination or as a country of cursing Israel, the curse, the iniquities of our... How many have ever heard the saying, he's just like his dad? You're just like your mother. You're just like your grandfather. Sometimes that's good. Most of the time, that's a bad thing. We've inherited. Dad had a bad temper. Dad was an alcoholic. Uh, Mom was a drug addict. And you think, well, that, that stops. I'll never do that. But you become that. That's why we teach on breaking generational curses. When we think about the iniquity, the curse of a father passing on to the children, we, we think of, you know, the family curse, but we also have spiritual fathers. So if your spiritual father, if you're somewhere and your spiritual father is telling you God's done with Israel, 
Um, we've replaced Israel. You need to sever that relationship and break that curse. But what happens if our national fathers, our mothers, are cursing Israel? If we have people in office that are cursing Israel, we need to understand how to protect ourselves so that curse doesn't come on us. Now, I've had some people ask me if I would do a video teaching on the history of Israel, and, and we're working on that. And I'm going to give you just a taste of that today. And the reason why I want to give you the taste of that is, one is we're in the new year. We're in the beginning of a new year. All of our blessings start with us blessing Israel But what prompted me in wanting to do this is I saw on the news the other day that our vice president, and let me just throw this in. If you vote for someone who curses Israel, well, I'm not cursing Israel. If I hire someone to murder somebody, In man's law, I'm just as guilty as if I did the murder. It's the same thing if I vote for someone who's pro-abortion. Now, see, people say, well, you're not supposed to talk politics in church. That's exactly where we're supposed to talk. That's exactly where we're supposed to talk. So if I vote for someone and they are anti-Israel, the iniquity of that father and mother passes on us. So I was watching the news the other day, and I don't watch the news often because I, I, I want to flood myself with good news, not bad news. But I saw our vice president at some college, and the student said, why does America stand with Israel when Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians? And instead of the vice president saying, you know, I appreciate your concern, but you have your statistics wrong. Instead of doing that, she said, you need to have your truth spoken out. Now, I want you to notice that, and and let me just give you something when you're watching politicians. She didn't say that is the truth. She said your truth. Now, what she's saying is, is that that's a truth, but you can't blame me for saying it because I'm saying that that's just political two-face. But she said, you, you deserve to have your truth that the Jews are causing genocide against the politicians. Now, remember, we're talking about the beginning of all blessings and the beginning of all curses. And I'm not going to get into it. When I do the video, I'll do it. If you look at every time leadership in America has stood up against Israel and forced them into land for peace or something, we've had natural and financial disasters hit our nation. Are you, are you okay? You still smiling at me? So I want to look at the word... And, and I, I was going to do this some months ago because I saw some guy from Hollywood, this movie star. And I like the guy, but he made a statement also. He said, the Jews are committing genocide against the Palestinians. And he later apologized for saying it. But 
it, it don't, listen, just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. Do you understand that? Just because they say it on the news or if a movie star says it or a rock star says it doesn't mean it's true. But there's a reality. If you make a lie big enough and you say it often enough, sheep will begin to believe it. So is Israel committing genocide against the Palestinians? Well, let's look at the definition of genocide. The deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or that group. Now leave that up there, please. So here's the, the vice president of the United States, this college student says, why is America standing with Israel when Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians? And she goes, your truth needs to be heard. You need to have the right to say your truth. In other words, she's saying the truth is that Israel is committing uh, murder against uh, the Palestinians with the aim of destroying that nation or that group. Now, we've seen genocide throughout the world, but the U.N. doesn't talk about that. They blame Israel for committing genocide, wiping out the Palestinian, murdering the Palestinian people. Now, the reason why I want you to understand this is not just to give you head facts. But when somebody says this, understand, God says, I will bless those who bless Israel. So if you bless Israel, God will bless you. If you curse Israel, God will curse you. If you do nothing, God will do nothing. I want in these last days for God to open the windows of heaven and pour us out such a blessing we won't have room enough to read. I want God to bless our families, our businesses, our jobs, our investments, our ministry. I want God to bless everything. So it's not enough not to curse Israel. You can't just be neutral. You know, they say if you sit on the fence, you get shot from both sides. So you've got to decide. God says, I place before you life and death, blessings or curses, choose life. So if somebody comes and says, or you hear on the news, or you're sitting with your family or your friends, and you go, and the the news says, the Jews are committing genocide, murdering to wipe the Palestinians off the face of the earth, you need to have the facts, not rumors, the facts of what is exactly happening. Now, first off, let me tell you, that it is the Palestinians, Mr. Abbas, who is the head of the Palestinians, that says we will not allow one Jew to exist. Their document is we will push them into the sea and across the river so that not one Jew exists in Israel. Now that is trying to push the people out. But is Israel systematically wiping out the Palestinian people. Well, let's look at the birth of Israel in 1947 when Israel became a nation. A bunch of a bunch of Arabs fled and went and lived in other countries because they didn't want to live in a land where the Jews were going to live. But there were in 1947 156 thousand Arabs living in the land that was then called Palestine that's now called Israel. All right, so 156,000. So if genocide is taking place, 
then we must be down to around, what, five or 10,000, right? Let's look at 1972. In 1972, we have wiped them out down to 472,000. Don't you hate it when we confuse them with facts? This is what's called fake news. Do you understand? Just because CNN says it, the Communistic News Network, does not mean it's true. So now genocide is real. And by the way, the brutal regime of Israel, at when there was 156,000, they brutally gave them freedom, gave them citizenship, uh, allowed them to be in government, allowed them to be military leaders, uh, 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 utilities, and all these other things. So, so genocide, in effect, from, from 1947 to 1972, we've wiped them out down to 472,000. Let's look at 1990. Genocide. 875,000. Whoever we hired to commit genocide needs to be fired. (laughs) Let's look at 1921, or 2021, I mean. Over probably closer to 2.5 million Arabs in Israel today. So we've gone genocide. And they'll get up and go, Israel's committing genocide, wiping the Palestinians out. We've gone from 156,000 Arabs in Israel to two point, somewhere 2.2, 2.5 million Arabs in the nation of Israel. Folks, that's not genocide. That's growth. Surveys taking place have said, and they can't do this publicly because people will harm them, they said they would never give up their Israeli Arabs. They would never give up their Israeli citizenship because they have it so good. This is the only place where women have equal rights. Women can work. Women can uh, get education. Women can be leaders. Women can do this. This is not a genocide. This is a population that is growing wealthy, that's growing strong, that's prospering because they're part of the blessing of the nation of Israel. All right, leave leave that up there. The next thing we heard was that the Jews are occupying the nation of Israel. They're occupiers. How many ever heard that? They're the occupiers. That land belongs to the nation of the Philistines. Well, let's look at facts. We look at the history of Israel, and, and I'll do this in the video. We can go back to Abraham. We can go back to King David. King David fought a giant by the name of Goliath. Goliath was what? A Philistine. Philistine is where we get the name of the Philistine, uh, the Palestinian people. The problem with this is that the Philistines, which Palestine was named after, and I'll show you how it got the name, the problem with that is Goliath the Philistine was not an Arab. Goliath the Philistine was a Greek. 
They were wayfarer people that lived on the, on the shore of the, of the uh, ocean that came across from Greek. So when we talk about the birthing of the Philistine or uh, um, uh, Palestinian people from the nation of the Philistines, they were not Arabs. They were Greeks. All right. You got it? All right. Let's go a little, little bit further. When Rome came in and conquered Israel 2,000 years ago, and Rome crucified Jesus, and Rome destroyed the nation, the Jews would never bow down to the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire gods. And so even though they physically could conquer them, they couldn't conquer them spiritually. So long story short, and I'll do this in more detail in the video. Long story short, Rome, in anger against never being able to get the Jews to bow down to false gods, they said, we're going to rename the land of Judea. You can't be an occupier of a land the Jews cannot be an occupier of a land called Judea. 2,000 years ago, long after Abraham, long after Moses, long after David, the Roman Empire said, I don't ever want to hear the name again or see it on a map of the land of Judea, the land of the Jews, and we're renaming it Syria-Palestina after the enemies of the Jews who were the Philistines. Now, the Philistines have not existed for 800 years when Rome did this. When Babylon came in and captured Israel, they also captured the small area that the Philistines, Goliath was from, they took them in the Babylonian captivity, the Greeks, and they never returned. So here we have 800 years later, 800, say 800. 800. Say it again. 800. 800 years later, Rome renames Judea, the land of the Jews, to Syria, Palestina, and never again was it to be written down on any map or ever spoken that this land belonged to the Jews. All right. So now we have 2,000 years ago, they renamed the land, not because of a people, not because of a nation, not because of any borders that had nothing to do with it. The Roman emperor said, we are renaming this land after a bunch of Greeks. Am I going slow enough? Now we have, let's go 600 years forward. 600 years after we have a man by the name of Muhammad. And Muhammad had a revelation and in this revelation, he was farming a religion, and he declared that he wanted to be a part of Israel and Jerusalem and become like a Judeo-Christian. He wanted to embrace Christianity, 
and he wanted to embrace Judaism as the beginning of Christianity do. We are Judeo-Christians, right? They would no one accept Muhammad as a prophet, and so Muhammad got his feelings hurt, and he turned his back. When he started Islam, they would pray towards Jerusalem, just like Christians did, just like Jews do to this day, but just like 325 years after the time of Jesus, the Roman Emperor Constantine, he said, how can we turn Christianity away from Jerusalem and have them pray towards Rome? So they came up with the false doctrine, we've, we've replaced Israel, we're the new Israel, and let's, let's really turn all Christians against Jews. Let's blame the Jews for, kill, uh, let's blame the Jews for killing Jesus. For 325 years, there was nothing in any Christian doctrine that mentioned one time that the Jews killed Jesus. That came up at the Council of Nicaea in modern, what's now Turkey, 325 years later. So all of a sudden, the Christians turned their backs on Jerusalem as the center of our faith and started praying towards Rome. Now it happens another 300-something years later, Islam begins, Muhammad is, it feels insulted, and so he turns his back on Jerusalem and begins to pray towards Mecca. Every one of us started in Jerusalem, and every one of us will end up back in Jerusalem, and we're closer than we think. Somebody give me an amen. All right, so Muhammad dies, Islam is on the rise, and the followers of Islam raid Jerusalem and take Jerusalem. Can we have the picture of Jerusalem back up there? Can we bring that picture back up? And they, they build the Aska Mosque, which is not the Dome of the Rock. It's actually, where is it over here? Uh, it's actually right here. They build this here. And they um, now control all of Israel, and they now control all of Jerusalem. Now, this is... This is, um, this is almost 700 years after the time of Jesus. So now the Muslims are controlling Jerusalem. In the year 1111 or 1200 AD, the Catholic Church wants Jerusalem back, and this is where the Crusades begin. The Crusades go on for about 200 years until finally the Christian crusaders push the Muslims out and they retake Israel, they retake uh, Jerusalem, and in the name of Jesus begin to slaughter all the Jews and all the Muslims. That's why in, uh, we're, we're working on another book right now. And I said, we got to quit killing people in the name of the Prince of Peace. So the church, because of Rome, the, the priests would say, kill a Jew, kill a Muslim, and it'll save your soul. And so now, 11, 1,200 years after the time of Jesus, the crusaders, the church, is now running Jerusalem and all of Israel. Next comes a leader in the year 
1187 A.D., I believe, somewhere right around there, 1187. And how many have ever seen the movie The Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. And remember at the end, Saladin recaptures Jerusalem for the, the nation of Islam. And so now Jerusalem and Israel, the whole country is under Saladin, right? Historical fact. The thing that they don't tell you is Saladin was not an Arab. He was a Turk. He was a Kurd. He was from Turkey, not an Arab. A Muslim, yes, but not an Arab. So here we have Israel is occupying the Palestinian people, the nation, the country of Palestine. There has never, ever, ever, ever been a Palestinian government, a Palestinian border, a Palestinian country, Palestinian people. It started when the emperor was mad at the Jews and said, we're not going to call it Judea anymore. It goes all the way to Saladim, who recaptured, and now he is in charge of Israel and, and, and Jerusalem, and he he is a Kurd, a Turk from Turkey, not an Arab. Are you say, Pastor, why do we need to know this? Because it's not enough to be silent. One of the signs, one of the signs of the coming of Messiah is God will put a hook in the jaw of Gog and Magog. Russia, Moscow, the nations of the world, and he will pull them down to the Battle of Armageddon to fight against Israel. Anti-Semitism is more accepted today in the world than it was during the time when Hitler and the Nazis murdered six million men, women, and children. 1.5 million Jewish babies murdering 6 million Jews, and many think probably twice that many, because in, in places, uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine, whole villages disappeared. They couldn't count them. That would be like drive downtown Monday morning when bumper-to-bumper traffic, and from, from Rockwall to Fort Worth, everybody is murdered. It, it's, it's, a, it's a discredit to say they killed. They murdered just because they're Jews. And anti-Semitism is higher today. And the church has got to reverse this curse and quit blaming the Jews for killing Jesus and saying we've replaced them. All right, let me close with this. So here we have... The world, the, the media saying that Palestine is an Arab nation. Okay? Um, we can see that Palestine was named by Rome. We can see that um, when Saladim took it back from the Christians, he was not, he was not a, an Arab. He was a Turk, a Kurd. Um, we can see that up until the end of World War I, for 400 years, the Turkish Empire ran all the Middle East, including Israel. Not Arab. Not Arab. Turkish. And then comes the end of World War I, 
If you, if you ever want to watch the movie Lawrence of Arabia, you'll get the whole picture there. They got the, uh, the allies got together. The Turks were fighting on the side of Russia. And so they got all the, the allies got all of the, uh, the uh, Arab Peninsula, all the Arabs, all the different tribes, the Sunni, the Shiite, and they got them to quit fighting each other and start standing together to fight against the cruelty of Turkey, and we won the war. When they won the war, they said, okay, here's the deal. Now we're going to take the Arab Peninsula that was for 400 years has been under the rule of Turkey, not Arabs, Turkey, and we're going to divide it amongst your different tribes. We're going to give this part Syria, this part Lebanon, this part Egypt, and by the way, and then they said this, what was called still Palestine, we're going to give this to the Jews. Now, nobody disputes the, the, the borders of Egypt. Nobody disputes the borders of Syria. Nobody disputes the borders of Lebanon or Iran or Iraq. They're all okay. But as soon as they said, we're giving this to the Jews, then they changed their mind and gave three quarters of the land, promised to Israel, three quarters of the land, promised to Israel, they were going to give it to the Saudi Arabia prince, Abdullah, and we're going to call that Transjordan. So they've already taken three quarters of the land. Nobody took anything from Syria. Nobody took anything from Lebanon. Nobody took anything from Egypt. Only the Jews. Are you with me? Okay. And, and so they say, okay, here's the land we're really going to give you. And the Jews go, okay. And so they started moving in. They go, but wait, wait a minute. We're not going to give you all of that. We're going to take Gaza and we're going to take the West Bank and give that to somebody else. And they say, okay. And now they're saying, but now we want another half. So they went from this big area down to this area, down to this area. And now they're saying, we want, if you'll give us half of this, there'll be peace in the Middle East. In other words, what they're saying is, is that if Israel gives up their land, then the Shiites will stop killing the Sunnis, Iraq and Iran and everybody. They're all going to get along because Israel's there. And the Jews in Israel are trying to conquer the world. Throw my map up. I'm, 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 I'm wrapping this up. Throw my map up. Everything in green is Muslim. Now remember, these Jews... They've, they've got Muslim land. Right now, let me see if I can get, I want to get my numbers exactly right. Right now, in, right now in 2021, the world has 100 predominantly Christian countries, 56 predominantly Islamic countries, and one Jewish state. One. Now, the Jews, this is fake news. The Jews are trying to conquer the world. They're trying to overtake the world. Here they are. Squint and you can see them. That's them. All of this 
Oh, everything in green, Shiite, Sunni, everything in green is Muslim. But if you'll give us half of this, then we'll all get along. No, they won't. It's a lie. Israel belongs to the Jewish people, not because of the San Rima, not because of the Balfour, not because of the UN, because Almighty God said, I will bless those who bless Israel. Somebody ought to stand to their feet and give Almighty God a great big clap offering and say, we are standing with the nation of Israel. Let me show you something in closing. Now, I know this may not be exciting stuff to you, but folks, this is some of the most important stuff I can teach you. We're in Simchat Torah. We're at the birth of a new year. You and I have before us either nothing, our blessings, our curses. You're, you're, you're part of this ministry, whether you're sitting here or you're watching with stream around the world. You're part of this ministry Because God has directed your life to be a blessing to Israel. And by blessing the nation of Israel, tearing down the wall that divides Jews and Christians, we are part, we are a huge part, we are a main part of bringing Jesus back to the earth. I laugh with my Jewish friends. I'm doing a a banquet on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, Vice President Pence is the main speaker. I'm the final speaker. And I laugh with my Jewish friends that when the Messiah comes and we meet him, we'll ask him, have you been, we meet him in Jerusalem, have you been here before or should we show you around? (laughs) We may joke about whether it's his first coming or his second coming, but the thing we agree on 100%, he's coming to Jerusalem and it's a Jerusalem that's in the hands of the Jewish people. Right? When I, when I was, put, bring my map back up, please. When I was call, asked to come to the White House some time back when, when we, President Trump was still in office, and they were trying to decide on the plans for Jerusalem, for, for Israel. And they keep asking for land for peace, land for peace, land for peace. I don't know if we have any, uh, I know we have sometimes, I don't know if we have any Native Americans here. Did Land for Peace ever work with the Native Americans? They just kept taking more land from our, from our Indians and more land and more land and, and until there was nothing left. But God's reversed the curse. They may not have the, all the land, but they do have all the casinos. <laughs> God keeps good books. So originally, in 1918, see, see Jordan and Amman, see where it goes all the way up there. I wish I, wish I had a uh, uh, thing. I wish I was taller. <laughs> see, see where Amman is and Jordan and where'd it go? Oh, thank you. I wish I was richer. <laughs> This was originally what was promised because of the Bible. But then they went back and said, no, we're going to take all this. 
And by the way, the king of, them, king of Jordan's a good guy. I've met him. He's a really good guy. And they said, this is, this is what we have for you. This is yours. And they go, okay. And they go, oh, no, I'm sorry, but this is yours. And they go, okay. And they said, no, we're going to take uh, half of that. And they go, oy vey. <laughs> you know, people are saying, keep that up there, please. People are saying, you know, if, if, if Israel would just give up half of that, Look at this, guys. I used the analogy when I went to Washington, and, and uh, Mr. Jason Greenblatt was President Trump's advisor, and, and I, myself and several of the guys sat at the table with him, and he said, he said no land, and, and he said, that's the president. i got to go. And he said, looked at me and said, Pastor Larry, no land? I said, not an inch. I said, look at the Dow, Dallas Cowboy Stadium. That's the Arab world. Take a matchbook and put it in the corner of the Dallas Cowboy massive stadium. That's Israel. And they're saying, give us half the matchbook. Then we'll have peace. Every time they've done it, it hasn't worked. Because they don't want peace. They want Israel gone. They want the Jews gone. They want it not to exist. But I got news for you. When God says something... You and I better choose to be on the winning side, right? Better choose to be on the winning side. When I was showing this to Tiz, she goes, it's, it's not even the matchbook. It's not even the matchbook in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. That, my friend, this, this here, right here, of all of these nations is the only democratic government in the Middle East. Not, we're not even talking about getting into communistic China and all that. This is, let me read you, and as I close, let me read you a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, one of my heroes. Amen. Dr. Martin Luther King said, Israel must exist, and Israel has the right to exist. John Kennedy said, President John Kennedy said, Israel is the child of hope and the home of the brave. Somebody said these words. I think it was Prime Minister Netanyahu. I'm not sure. It may, it may have been, it may have been um, uh, female, Lady Ambassador Israel. Um, Golda Meir says, If the Palestinians would lay down their weapons, there would be no more war. If Israel would lay down its weapons, there would be no more Israel. Our government almost... In Israel, how many rockets did they have shot at them in the last one? 5,000 rockets. And we have what's called, they have what's called the Iron Dome. It doesn't attack anybody. It stops the rockets from killing men, women, and children. It blows the rockets up in the air. And the leaders of a certain Democratic Party um, were trying to stop us from providing the Iron Dome. We're not giving weapons to attack an enemy We're giving weapons to our friends, our allies. We have got to stop as a nation of abandoning our allies, whether it's Afghanistan or Israel, and stand up for what is righteous in the eyes of God. Can I have an amen? The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but I would encourage you to go beyond praying. We as a nation, we as a ministry here, 
We, we, have, we give millions and millions of dollars. We have orphanages in Haiti. We have feeding programs in Dominican Republic for children. We have feeding programs in Cuba for children. We do 50,000 meals a month, if not more now, in Africa for children. We do a lot of different things. We, we, we you know, we, we uh, uh, during all the crisis and people were hungry and stuff, how many truckloads do we partner with President Trump and every week Wanderson and the team was down here feeding thousands of families right here in Texas and ministries we do all that we do all that but in that also we're in the beginning of blessings when God says I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel you know we're in the 30 day grace period of the first fruit offering the first fruit offering is an offering that we take an offering and we put it in the hands of the people of Israel. Bomb shelters for children, Holocaust survivors to, to eat, to, to be fed. One city that we started working with, the city uh, right outside of Jerusalem, they thought they had about 100 Holocaust survivors. But when we gave them the finances to do what they needed for Holocaust, they found out that they didn't have 100. They had 1,200. And these people have no family. They're scared to come out. But when something like food and clothing and utilities was made available, they found out we have 1,200 of these precious people and we're losing them every day. We're losing them every day. And so I know it's crazy out there. I know, I know the world's crazy But I'm going to tell you something. Our best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. Because for some reason, God has led us down this path. Maybe because he could trust us to stand with the nation of Israel. And what does God say? When you do that, whether you're helping us build bomb shelters or Aliyah, fulfilling Bible prophecy of bringing Jews back to the nation of Israel, of feeding Holocaust, feeding children, building bomb shelters. We're, we're looking at a new project right now. I got a minute, 45 seconds. Every year during January, we, we are fulfilling Bible prophecy in the land of Amos. It's in the West Bank. And the land of Amos has been under Palestinian control, but Jews have moved out there. We're supporting them vineyards and olive trees. Many people say that the olive trees that grow right where Amos, right where it's right where it's in the very dirt that David tended Jesse's sheep. And many people say that the, the olive trees that we're planting will be the anoint used for the anointing oil that will anoint the Messiah when he comes to Jerusalem. And so we're doing that. But right now we're in the year called Shemitah. And Shemitah means this is when you watch the miracle of God's provision. You don't plant, you don't harvest, you don't sow, and God brings you in one year, three years of bounty. And so I was asking our friends in Israel, I said, we can't plant trees this year, it's Shemitah. Find us something. And we're not sure if this is it, but we found where 
these kids that are by Gaza and where most of the rockets are coming in. And by the way, people oh, Israel won't let the people from Gaza cross the border. You know who's on the other side of Gaza? Egypt. And they won't let them cross either. Why? Because it's a place of terrorism. It's where the rocket, the Egypt won't let them in. And so all these kids around there have what's called, how do you call it, post, huh? PTSD, post-traumatic, dis- and, and so they're starting this new program to bring them in, these little babies bring them in camp, and I think we're going to partner with that. But anyway, when we do things, just say, God, how do you want me to be a part of it? Be a blessing to Israel. And you that are watching, we can't do it without you. You are, you are a huge part of it. You're all over the world. But know this, God's best and his windows of heaven are opened up as, as we stand with the nation of Israel and bring the Messiah home. Do you receive that? Let me pray over all of us here and all of us watching. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we call on the fulfillment of your word that you said you will bless those who bless Israel. And I ask you for every Christian, every Jew, every pastor, every rabbi, every person around the world that is hearing these words. And and as we hear it, we spread it to others that we need to not just pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but pray for the blessing of God on Israel. And we know that when God blesses Israel, he blesses the Jewish people that are in Israel. He blesses the Christian people that are in Israel. He blesses the Arab people that are in Israel. He blesses everyone within that land. And let everyone in the land of Israel feel that blessing. And let them know that that blessing comes because we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Father, on every person, every one of us, open your windows of heaven. Let this year be absolutely astounding with your goodness, your blessing, your provision, your health, your healing in every area. And we will be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is our Messiah. And all God's people shouted, Did you enjoy that today? 